Hi folks, welcome to Fig Tree Ministries. As we here at Fig Tree Ministries are just starting out in this whole digital biblical education ministry, one way you can help us grow is through sharing our videos or the podcast format with your community through your favorite social media channel. If you've been impacted by one of our lessons, then it's likely that others just like you will be impacted in the same way. Our goal here is to help people gain a deeper understanding of the Bible and their spiritual growth walk by exploring the cultural context within which Scripture was written. And we find so often that something little in the culture can illuminate what was being said or written so many years ago. So we ask you, as you gain insight into the biblical text, that you would share with others and help them progress down what is often a difficult path of understanding their Bible and how to apply it to our lives today. So we bless you all for the support that you've given us and your efforts in helping us grow our ministry. And we hope that you enjoy today's lesson. I think this is a really cool topic. I think you're really going to enjoy it because there's a pattern that exists in Scripture. So it's a pattern throughout Scripture that once you see it, you can't unsee it. Hopefully, as we go through these studies, when you study the Bible deeply, you see things, patterns that will jump out at you that maybe you didn't see before. And as they come out, well, you can't unsee them. And that's what's really cool about it. So this is actually a pretty fun one. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And as we're going to talk about, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are considered to be the three highest attributes of the human soul. That's according to We've been talking over the past few weeks about Jewish mysticism or Jewish mystical thought. And in Jewish mystical thought, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are the three highest attributes of the human soul, and they connect with the attributes of God, the same attributes. Now, what I want to show you is how this flows through the Bible, and even as Paul is writing to the people he wrote to in the first century, he's going to pull the ideas, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, into his letters, so that once you see this combination, this trifecta, you'll notice it every time you read Paul. Then, at the very end, I'm going to connect this with something here in San Diego or near the San Diego State area. You've driven past it, a million times, but you didn't know what was going on. So I'll show you that. And for those people who aren't at San Diego State, well, you can find one in your neighborhood too. So I'll connect these with something that is at least nearby. So that's our topic, wisdom, understanding knowledge. We're going to be doing a lot of Bible turning. I'll always put it on the screen. So if you get tired of looking it up, you can just look on the screen or listen. There's going to be a few times when I'm just going to ask, I'm just going to put the verse up and read it, and I just want you to listen. We're not going to take the time to go there because we don't have that much time this morning. So a couple times I'll say, hey, or just listen to the proverb, and you'll start hearing this pattern repeating. 
Quick review. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about this heavenly man from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 49, and there's an idea that traces itself all the way back through all of our scripture, but we find it today in Jewish mystical thought, and that's the Adam Kadman, which means the original man or the heavenly man. That's that Ezekiel's image of the glory of God takes on the appearance of a man sitting on a throne, which is a king. And that, of course, is what Paul and John are saying, no, that's Jesus. That king descended to earth, tabernacled among us in bodily form, then, as we'll see today, was crucified, and then resurrected and ascended back up to be with the Father. So it's a pre-existent man in heaven, and that we would identify with Jesus. So I said something last week that is a little bit strange, but we're going to talk more about it today, is that there's also an idea that this represents the body of the cosmos. So if you, like Paul uses a body metaphor to talk about the church. Christ is at the head, but the church is like a body. This, in Jewish mystical thought, is the body of the universe, is, takes on, it's a way of anthropomorphic expression of the universe. So, for instance, body of the cosmos is a king, right? You have a crown at the top. You have kingdom at the feet. So you could literally say the universe is the kingdom of Christ. It's the kingdom that Christ reigns over. He's in the highest heaven. If he's the highest in the highest heaven, then he's the king of all kings. And this is a picture, the one you see on your screen comes from Jewish mysticism, and we'll talk about the attributes, some of the attributes that are in there, but I just want to show you how this is going to connect both with the Old Testament and the New. Okay, so that's body of the cosmos, as strange as that sounds. Paul, again, uses a little bit of the same metaphor to talk about the church as a body. The last thing we mentioned, and this is going to be important, is that this heavenly man, we bear the image of the heavenly man. So not only do we have the image of Adam, the earthly man, we have the image of the heavenly man, and that's the Christ. So part of our soul, spiritually, has the same image as the Christ. So if we look at a picture and say, okay, there's the heavenly man, we have the heavenly man, and imagine that that entire heavenly man encompasses the, all of God's creation, both visible and invisible. And then you have us people on earth, and you say, okay, now that heavenly man matches, as far as our soul, spiritually, every human being. So every human being is somehow created in the image of this heavenly man. That's what Paul tells us and that that heavenly man is the image of the invisible God. So how do we become the image of God? If God has no image, well, this is it. So what I mentioned last week, and what we're going to talk about today, is there are attributes to the heavenly man. So wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are three attributes. So just as you might say, here's an attribute to the heavenly man, here's an attribute to the heavenly man, and here's an attribute, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, 
Well, then we're going to find the same attribute in a human soul, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And the Bible clearly says that, and I'll, God willing, I'll be able to show you today how those are all tied together. So we have the heavenly man. It represents the entire cosmos, both visible and invisible, is contained in that. And then this becomes the image for our own soul. We share the same attributes. All right, that's a bit of review. So now, last week I finished by talking about there's 10 attributes. Now, if you look at your sheet, a number two, I listed 10. Now, we're not going to go over 10. I'm only going to go over the top three because, well, frankly, we don't have time, and then I'm not skilled enough to take anybody through that. That's a deep Jewish mystical thinking, although it's very cool every time I read about it. So there's 10 attributes. When we, we go back to this picture, we're going to stick to the top three. So you could say the ones that are on the upper half of the human, the highest three attributes. And I have them bolded on your sheet. And then I've added some definition, and we'll go over that. And then also the Hebrew, which I'll repeat throughout this whole lesson. So the top three attributes are wisdom. In Hebrew, chokmah. So you're all muted. You can say chokmah. Helps you uh, remember the word by saying it aloud. So wisdom, chokmah. Then there's understanding, bina. And then the final one is knowledge, da'at. And those are the top three attributes. And those top three attributes are not only attributes of God, but our soul. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we view these. So wisdom, understanding, knowledge. How does this work? Well, if we go back to this picture, we have the heavenly man, the Son, so that's the Son of the Trinity. You have God the Father, we have the Son, and then we have the Holy Spirit. So we interact, we communicate with God's will through the Holy Spirit. It's His Spirit that then is, I mean, to use the metaphor of up in heavens and we're down on earth, the Spirit comes down and interacts with us, and then we interact back up to uh, the heavenly man through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the whole time we're talking about this today, to be filled with the Spirit, according to the Bible, is to interact with God through these three attributes. So we could take this Holy Spirit away and put up, and I put this little diagram on your sheet, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So as we interact with God, those attributes through the power of the Holy Spirit is how we're going to be going back and forth, right? That's how we go back and forth between us and God. Now the key is, is somebody, Paul's going to talk about this, somebody who is in the Spirit, who has the Holy Spirit, as Paul defines it, is somebody who's going to walk their walk in life with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And he's going to use those exact three attributes. And we'll see that throughout the Bible. It's pretty cool. Okay, 
Oh, one last thing. Let me add this. So before we get into defining what wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are, according to the Bible, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and I'll show you this in a few slides, are the foundation of the entire God's creation, of the entire cosmos. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge flows down to us. It's a flowing down to us. We reflect that wisdom, understanding, and knowledge back up to God by glorifying God, by acknowledging God in everything that he does, by praising God. So it becomes a circular thing, and it's communicated, of course, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now what I want to do is take you through each attribute so that we can understand what do we mean by wisdom? What do we mean by understanding? What do we mean by knowledge? So we're moving on to number four on your sheet. Wisdom. Chokmah. As we go through this, it's important that we note the nuances. And hopefully I'll be able to communicate why it's important to note the nuances and how they affect our walk with with God. So wisdom, chokmah. Now wisdom can show up on two different levels. There's the spiritual level. That's what we're going to focus on today, spiritual wisdom. But there's also, no denying it, practical wisdom. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But there's both spiritual and practical wisdom. Most of the time when we think of wisdom, we're thinking about the practical side. But spiritual wisdom, according to the Bible and within the Jewish mysticism, is some kind of divine insight. So say that one day, maybe you're reading scripture, you're listening to a sermon, you're singing a song or praying, and you have this, something pops into your mind. You don't know where it came from, but you have an insight to something about God or something about Jesus or something about how he wants you to walk his will, and this divine insight just shows up. That's a, that's a wisdom. It's a gift from God. This is how the Bible would define wisdom. It's understanding God's will, right? Your will be done is the prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray. So we need to understand something about God's will, or Paul says, the mind of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, who knows the mind of God but the Spirit of God? Just like your spirit knows your mind, The Spirit of God knows God's mind or His will. We're always looking for what's God's will in our life, and it normally shows up in some kind of divine spark, like a divine insight to something. So that's spiritual wisdom. Practical wisdom is a little bit different. So practical wisdom is its information put into action over time. So. For instance, we find this in all kinds of, in everything that we do in life. If I want to bake a cake, I don't, I'm not a skilled baker, right? So you can give me the info in the form of a recipe sheet, but I have no, I have no action over time. Because what happens when you spend 20 years baking cakes? Wisdom happens. Because now you see things about cake baking that a new person won't see. And you find this in building a house, you find it in marriages. The elderly are always, we show them as wise. Why? Because you've been able to take God's information and put it into action over a long period of time. 
so you know what works and what doesn't work. And it's better to get that ahead of time if you're trying brand new to build a house. You know, you can't just take a book on building a house. You have to actually build the house. You have to put it into action. So there's practical wisdom. We take information, we put it into action over a long period of time, and we gain insight to things that the, the information itself won't give you. But we're going to talk about spiritual wisdom, so we're going to focus on this one up here, spiritual. That's the divine insight into what God, His will, whether it's with commandments, whether it's what He wants you to do with your life, it's gaining insight to God's mind. Okay, so that's wisdom, chokmah. Next, understanding. Now, it's a little bit different. So the word bina is the Hebrew word for understanding. Some people say that the word, it's often hard to tell where a Hebrew word comes from, but people think it's derived from the word bain. So bina would come from bain. And in English, bain means between. So I can tell the difference between two things good and evil, right and wrong. It's the ability to discern, to reason, to evaluate. So understanding is the ability. It gives us form of that divine wisdom. So you get something from God, and you say, whoa, I think I just, I think I just recognized something about God. Now I've got to take that and move on to understanding. Understanding, then, gives me, puts form around that divine wisdom. So understanding, bina, it's also translated discernment. It's very often translated insight. They both mean the same thing, but it's the ability to discern, the ability to tell the difference between two things. So um, when God gave Solomon wisdom, he had the different, he was able to discern between good and evil, between right and wrong. So Understanding is discernment. Now, don't turn there. I'm just going to show you a proverb and read it out loud. So just listen to the proverb, because sometimes the world is so complex, we have a very difficult time discerning which direction to go. It might not seem obvious. So the proverb says this. This is Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, Bina. So when we're in a position of, I can't tell if I should go left or right, we have to know something about the principles of God. We have to know something about his text. We have something as his, his will revealed through the scripture or revealed through our faith walk can then give us insight to which direction to go. So we trust in the Lord with all your heart and not lean on your own bina ability to discern. That's, the world's too complex. We can't always get it right. Okay. That's bina. Next, da'at. And this one, da'at, is knowledge. Now, it's spiritual knowledge, not worldly knowledge. So, it's Spiritual knowledge about God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, Jesus teaches us to pray. Spiritual knowledge, it's a deep experiential knowledge. It's not information. 
it's not head knowledge, it's head knowledge that's moved to your heart, where you're able to incorporate, you're able to incorporate that knowledge into your being so that you just know because you know because you know. So the word knowledge, where we get da'at, in the Bible, knowing is used as a euphemism for a husband and wife having intimate relations. Adam knew his wife Eve and gave birth to their son. So it's that intimate of knowledge. It's not, I've got a bit of information. It's intimate, deep, experiential knowledge. It's when you know something about God so deeply that you say, I just know it's true. That's knowledge. So listen to John. Don't turn there. Listen to John, okay? So in John 8, 36, Jesus says this, And you will know da'at, the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, does truth set you free? Or does knowing the truth set you free? And, you know, there's people out there who study the Bible. They have lots of information about God, but they haven't incorporated knowledge deeply into their heart where you have to move the information from your head to your heart, and that becomes then the Bible way of knowing. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. It's not head knowledge. So you can have lots of data about the Bible or Jesus and not really know him in the biblical sense, because it's that knowing is much more intimate. Okay, so you have wisdom, chokmah, that's the divine spark. Something shows up. Ah, I have an I have an insight to the divine will. Understanding, bina, I'm able to put form to it. I can discern right from wrong, left from right. Knowledge. I take that information that I've got and I it works deeply down into my heart, into my being, to say, now I know it and I know it and I know it. And I now act on the knowledge of that because I have faith that it's true. It's a much deeper, so that's wisdom, chokmah, understanding, bina, knowledge, da'at. Now listen to the proverb. Don't turn there. Just listen. This is Proverbs 2.6, and it's on your sheet, so you can go back and read it later. For the Lord gives wisdom, chokmah. From his mouth comes knowledge, da'at, and understanding, bina. So we have this trifecta here, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and these get, they are so often placed in the same verses in the Bible, it's remarkable. So you know something's there. So these three, now let me walk you through just a little bit of a, how I view we, how we can apply this to our own walk, because that's what we want to do. We don't want to just have information. We want to have head knowledge that goes to our heart. So this picture right here is it's a good way to think about your walk with God. It's a signpost that's pointing into the fog, you know, and that's the excitement of walking with God, even though some people don't think of it as, as excitement is, you know, every step that you take with God, there's a, there's a bit of unknown ahead of you. It's just like walking. I think N.T. Wright had the quote, signpost pointing into the fog. But that's this picture. 
You know, you know the direction you should go, but now we have to discern along the way. How are we going to take our steps, right? So here's what we do. We say, okay, God, I want to understand your will. So give me the divine, give me wisdom into your will for my life, your will for the next step. It's God's will. We get this divine spark. Ah, step in that direction. Once we step, now we move on to understanding. We have to, we have to discern left, right, which way it's, imagine, you know, the, the biblical metaphor is you're walking on a very narrow path with God. You want to stay on the path. So you're constantly discerning. Should I go left or to the right? You know, the early Christians called the movement in the book of Acts, the way. The way in Hebrew is the path you're walking. Um, so you have wisdom, you have understanding, and then you get knowledge. And the knowledge is when that understanding sinks deeply into your being, and now it increases your faith because you see God's will in action. And we, we take these steps all the time. And then what you do is you follow the, the directions from the shampoo bottle that says lather, rinse, and repeat. And you do the same thing over and over again. And we do this throughout our whole life. This is our walk. And the more you walk, gaining understanding of God's will, understanding of right and wrong and which direction to go, and incorporating that deep knowledge, that's our maturity in Christ so that we, we walk. It's a walk. It's amazing. Okay, so these are the three. Now, let's start going to the scripture. So if you have your Bible, I'm going to have you start turning to the scripture and watch watching how this shows up. So the first place I want you to turn is Proverbs 3, 19 to 20. And this becomes one of the, the foundational passages for everything. Now, I mentioned a few slides ago, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge are the foundation of God's cosmos, his creation. And they become the foundation of your walk with God. Where do we get that from? We get it from Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. So Proverbs 3 says this, By wisdom, Hokmah, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, Bina, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, Da'at, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop, let drop the dew. So how did God create the world? By wisdom, by understanding, and by knowledge. And those three, again, show up repeatedly. So you know something's there when it keeps repeating. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs says, wisdom was there in the beginning. So wisdom was with God and creation was made through wisdom. Wisdom is at his side. So even in the first century, the word, the wisdom, it's this pre-existent other part of God that all creation is. Now we would say, well, that's Jesus. That's the Son, the second part of the Trinity. That hadn't been articulated yet. In the first century, they're still working this out. But anyways, Proverbs is, a, is critical in that. So wisdom, understanding, knowledge. That's how God creates the world. Now, if we think about when God creates the world, and by the way, I'm on number five on the back of your sheet, when God creates the world, he creates order. So when God speaks truth, truth comes out of, out of God's mouth, and order is manifested. 
So, as God's creating the world, Genesis 1, every time he speaks, you get order. And of course, now man enters that and the whole thing goes into chaos. But the point is, when God creates, he creates an ordered reality. He creates it through wisdom, through understanding, through knowledge. Now, if we share those same attributes, then what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to create our world? How do you create your life? You create order in the reality of the world that you live in. How? Through wisdom, through understanding, through knowledge. How do you create an ordered marriage, an ordered household? How do you create order in a society? You have to have wisdom. If we lack wisdom and we're trying to create society, it's going to turn into chaos. So everybody has the ability to create their own life the way that we walk with God. So it applies both ways. It's foundational for God. It's foundational for us. Okay, one point that, I, that we need to make is, I mentioned this before, everything is by the Holy Spirit, right? So the Spirit of God is always going to be connected with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. It's what the Spirit delivers to us by giving us the will of God. So as we walk through these next verses, as we start turning through our Bible, you'll notice the Spirit of God is going to show up in every one. So the very first place I want you to turn is turn to Genesis 41, 37 to 39. Now I'll be putting it on the screen, so I want you to see it in your Bible and at least be able to place it in your own text. Now, this is the story of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. That's chaos. He's able to interpret a dream by the Pharaoh. And because of Joseph's ability to interpret a dream by the Pharaoh, he gets elevated to run the administrative state to provide order to Egypt. That's the, that's the backstory to, to this. So he had just interpreted a dream, and now you're going to get Pharaoh talking about Joseph. So Pharaoh says this. He says Joseph had given Pharaoh a plan. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, like Joseph, one in whom is the Spirit of God? So right there, we have the Spirit of God in Joseph. Then look at the next verse. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all of this known, da'at, to you, and there is no one so discerning, bina, and wise, hokmah, as you. And then he's going to hand over the keys to Egypt. But notice what we have with Joseph. Wisdom, hokmah, discernment, Bina, and Da'at, knowledge. So all three with the Spirit of God showing up to Joseph. And Joseph, as I mentioned last week, he's a type of Messiah. He ends up saving the nation of Israel. Now, so it's a type of Messiah. He's the suffering servant Messiah. Okay, so that's Genesis uh, 41. Now, next, move forward in your Bible to Exodus 31, and it's going to be verses 1 through 3. So now we're just kind of moving, we're going to move forward through the Bible to the New Testament. 
but I'll show you the highlights of where this where these attributes show up. So Exodus 31 We have to remember Exodus is the story of the Jews coming out of Egypt. They're delivered from slavery. They move into the presence of God and then the whole last half of the book is them building a space for God to reside in their midst. So when you get to chapter 40 of of Exodus, the final paragraph, Moses builds the tabernacle and the and the presence of God descends and dwells so strongly that they can't even go in the tabernacle. That's what we're trying to do is build a space for God to dwell. So when God is build, giving the instructions for the tabernacle, that's the space for God to dwell. He chooses somebody. And this is the verse. So, so Exodus 31, 1 to 3, it says, The Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. And look what God did. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So this the person who's going to build the tabernacle is filled with the Spirit of God. And then he keeps going with wisdom, Hokmah, with understanding, Bina, with knowledge, Da'at, and with all kinds of skills. So we have, again, the Spirit of God is in this person, and we get wisdom, we get understanding, and we get knowledge. And the whole point is, we're building a space for God. And the moment you build a space for God, boom, he's going to come and dwell right in it. So what do we have to do in our own lives? What do we do for God? We have to build a space for God. How do you build a space for God? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So listen to the proverb. Don't turn there. Listen to the proverb. Proverbs 24, 3-4. By wisdom, hokmah, a house is built. Through understanding, bina, it's established. Through knowledge, da'at, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Now, what house is that talking about? Well, build a house for God. You become the house for God, for God's presence, the Holy Spirit to dwell. How do we do that? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. That builds a space for God. Now, I think that one from Exodus is probably the most important one because it's the first place you find all three that are explicitly put together. How do we build a space for God? How do we do it as a church? How do we do it as a community? How do we do it as an individual? Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Okay, now we're going to go to the New Testament. So I have, I have a whole bunch of passages listed under Paul's letters, number seven on your sheet. We can't go through them all. We don't have time. But I'll go through enough of them that you'll get the sense that Paul's going to pick up the same thing. So we're going to move to our New Testament. The very first place I want you to turn is to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. These are all over the place. Uh, I'm sorry. They're found everywhere in the New Testament. So as we go through a few of these, it'll just give you the sense of how Paul is using these three attributes. So 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 10. This is a bit of a longer passage here. But you might notice some of you have Bibles that have put titles. 
Some Bibles don't have titles over the, the verse sections, but here's an example. I think this is the NIV. So the title of the section that's about to happen here is God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. It's exactly what we've been talking about the whole time, that God's wisdom comes to us through the Spirit. So here's what Paul says. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom, hokmah, among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. Now, right there, scholars note that he's using God's wisdom to declare Jesus, that Jesus is the manifestation of God's wisdom here on earth. And look what it says. It's a mystery that's been hidden. This is what we've been talking about, the mystical. It's a mystery that's been hidden, and God destined for our glory before, or sorry, a mystery that has been hidden, and that God destined for our glory before time began. It's exactly right. That's the heavenly man. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let's go to verse 9. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, and what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And then verse 10, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So it's through the Spirit that we get God reveals to us by his Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit searches, not only us, but it searches the divine will of God so that it can deliver it to us. Okay, that's one example. You can keep reading that eventually. Paul talks more about wisdom and understanding, but let's move on. Let's go to Ephesians. So it's Ephesians, and I'm going to look at verses it's chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. There's a couple places in Ephesians where this shows up, but I just want to show you at least one of them. So Ephesians 1, 7 to 9. Let me take a drink real quick. Ephesians 1 says this, oh, 7 to 9. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us. With all wisdom, Okma, and understanding, Bina, he has made known, Da'at, to us the mystery of his will. That's what we've been talking about. So God, through wisdom, through understanding, and through the knowledge, Da'at, we then understand the mystery of his will, which often seems like a mystery to human beings. Okay, so that's Ephesians 1, 7 to 9. Let's turn again. Philippians 1, 9 to 10. I'm watching the time, so I'm going to go a little bit faster. So if you just want to listen to this, you'll obviously pick up on the theme here. And this is my prayer, Paul says, that, you, that your love may abound more in the knowledge, da'at, and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern, bina, what is best, and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. So that's Philippians. And then turn, make sure you turn to this one. This one is probably the top of the, 
the piece de resistance of all of these verses because it's going to encapsulate everything we've talked about. So Colossians 1.9, and Colossians says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge, da'at, of his will through all the wisdom, chokmah, and understanding, bina, that the Spirit gives. That encapsulates everything we've been talking about. The knowledge of his will. We want to know God's will through wisdom, through understanding. And how do we get that? It's the Spirit that, bring, that delivers all that. So Colossians 1.9 is really, it's an amazing verse. And it basically encapsulates this picture right here. This is how, through wisdom and understanding and knowledge, the Spirit from God delivers His will so that we understand His will. It's an amazing way to think about how we communicate with God. Kind of gives it a little bit of structure. All right, now let me finish up. We've got, we've, I've got to move a little bit faster, and I apologize. I always put more than time allows, but what about the Messiah? What does the scripture say about Messiah? Now, don't turn there. You'll, you can go back and read it later. One of the main messianic prophecies from the Old Testament is Isaiah 11. Isaiah 11 is the shoot that came out of the stump of Jesse. That's the line of David. The shoot, the branch that eventually governed everybody. So Isaiah 11 too, it says this, and we have to notice how this is laid out. Isaiah 11.2 starts out, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. So we have the Spirit. The Spirit of God is going to rest on him. That's the baptism of Jesus. The Spirit is resting on him. The Spirit of wisdom, chokmah. The Spirit of understanding, bina. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of the knowledge, da'at, and the fear of the Lord. So the Messiah just like the heavenly man, is the emblematic of these attributes, the Messiah is going to show up, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to rest on him, and he's going to have wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And you know, when Jesus goes into the synagogue at Nazareth, he stands up, he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and in another place he says, the Spirit of the Lord rests on me. And you think, well, is that just a metaphor? No, he's talking about the Spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm the Messiah. So it's in the Hebrew mind, he just told his audience that he's the Messiah. And their response is, where did he get this wisdom? So even the Messiah is showing up with these attributes. And of course, we reflect that wisdom, understanding, knowledge. All right, let's finish up. Hopefully you can see that pattern. What you have to do, and I encourage you to do this, is I put all these verses on your sheet, is to go back and read through these verses from Genesis forward and just kind of read through them and let them sink in and notice the pattern that keeps going over and over and over. And then Paul wants you to do the same thing. I really, I think it's a really cool thing that Paul prays. He prays that you would have the knowledge of God's will, that you would, through wisdom and understanding, be able to discern what the Spirit is giving. That's probably a great prayer for all of us to pray for each other. Okay, now 
last piece, because we, we're going to connect this to this day and age, to right now. Let's say that we wanted to, we thought this is a really cool idea. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge. That's a cool idea. Let's start our own denomination. We're going to create our own little sect within Judaism, we'll call it. It's all going to be based on wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So you take wisdom, understanding, knowledge. In Hebrew, chokmah, bina, da'at. And so what you do is you create your own word. And you do, you make an acronym with the CH from Hokma, the B from Bina, and the D from Da'at. And you would get something like this, and you might pronounce it Chabad. I don't know if you've heard of Chabad before. I know some of you have heard of Chabad, but you've driven past Chabad all the time. So let me show you this. This is on Montezuma, one block to the east of College Avenue. So if you're at the corner of College and Montezuma and you turn towards La Mesa, on the south side of the street is the Chabad house. And so this is the Jewish Chabad group at San Diego State. So there's an entire sect of Judaism called Chabad. And if we look at it, you'd say Hokma, Bina, Da'at. So that's the Chabad house. The, uh, the shooting that happened in Poway last year was Chabad Poway. They took their name as an acronym of this, these three things, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And then they center their entire worship of God around those three things. Paul starts almost every letter with exactly the same three things. So it goes way back. It's, it's quite deep within our these biblical traditions. So anyways, check out the Chabad house when you're on Montezuma or on college. Take a turn and you'll go right past this house. Chabad is everywhere in the world. So even if you're not here in San Diego, you can probably find a Chabad somewhere nearby. Okay, one last time, let's review. You're walking with God. It's as if, because you can't know the future, you're walking into the fog. And that's just our walk with God. So we have all kinds of spiritual practices. We pray. We read scripture. Oftentimes you, you discern God's will through scripture. We're in community. We engage in dialogue with each other to help understand God's will, to gain wisdom and insight into what God desires for us. So you get wisdom. That's the first step. The next thing you do is now you have to evaluate and you have to put structure to that wisdom. Do I turn to the left? Do I turn to the right? It gives form to the wisdom. It's understanding, bina. And then we gain knowledge of God's will. It, it goes from our head, information, to our heart, and it incorporates very deep within our being. Now, if you do this enough time, right, lather, rinse, repeat, if you do that enough time through your life, your faith increases as you walk with God. So that, hey, I don't know the future, God, but I know you're there, and I know you're going to be in the future, and I know you're working on my behalf in the future, and I know as long as I properly walk with wisdom, that you'll be on my side. And that's walking with faith. So, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, hopefully that gives you some insight into this trifecta that's from Genesis all the way to the end of the New Testament. And we still walk this way today. Thanks for joining us under the fig tree for today's lesson. 
If you like this video, be sure to hit the like button below and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell to be notified every time I upload a new lesson. You can also check out more teachings here at our YouTube channel or at figtreeteaching.com and enjoy learning about the sweetness of God's words.